that happens, we all are together. And that's ultimately the essence of this sermon series that we're going to start talking about. In fact, uh, even as, um, as Monday rolled around, I, last Sunday I went home after service. I was completely spent. And, uh, you know, the life of a pastor, as you know, the next Sunday is coming. And so I started saying, okay, Lord, where are we going next? I had nothing. I mean, nothing. If you think that I sit in my office and revival happens, you've got a way big misconception of what uh, being a pastor is all about. But I had nothing. Uh, and uh, in fact, uh, I got up Monday morning and I had nothing. And I said, Lord, I said, this ain't going to work because, you know, uh, yes, Sunday's coming and it just doesn't, it doesn't just happen. There's work involved in getting to the place where you can communicate what God wants communicated. And the Lord just settled me down. He said, that's okay. You're the intercessory team of uh, Bethel's got it. Oh, okay. Because every Monday I get the notes that come from what was prayed about the previous Sunday. And as they kind of went through the notes of what was prayed about, one thing was said, and the moment it was said, inside of me, there's just this, just literally, just the metaphor works for us. It just ignited something in me, and I went, and these were my words, I can go there. I can go there. And so really, this is what that comes out of. It has to do with this word called unity. Say that word, Unity. And, and why, why is that a part? Are we not unified? Is there some division that we don't know about? No, but it's something that we're always working toward. Paul says that, that the fivefold ministry was given so that we might mature into, until we all reach the unity of faith and, and a knowledge in him. Now, it's important, and this isn't really the sermon today, but I think it's important to at least address this, because when you think of unity in the faith in our culture, we think of the latter part of knowledge in him. But faith is that which enacts or brings everything that we believe into an action. And that's where the unity ultimately comes, that in action, there's this, this unifying that, uh, that happens. I do believe that in this next season, the God of heaven wants to take Bethel and create yet a greater beauty in Bethel than already exists. I think he wants to move us to a place where we understand that it's important that people are belonging before they're becoming. It's easy for us to get in, caught into a place where we think that people should just automatically start to change. But when people feel like they belong, then they can start to become. Why is that? Well, because there's incredible diversity and unity, but there's unity and diversity that allows that to happen. And so throughout the sermon series, here's what we're going to keep coming back to. Every week, this is a good thing. If, you, if, you're not, if you're new to this, you can start memorizing it this Sunday because it'll really work for you. And here's our series connect throughout. It's that we are led by a God who desires unity. Of all the things you think about God, I want you to get this at the heart. Is the God that you serve, the God that you're following, the God that you gave your life to, the God that you exchanged your life for, he desires Unity. Why does he desire unity? Well, because God is the only entity in all of the universe that is at perfect unity with himself. I don't fully understand that because I don't fully get the Trinity. I don't understand the fullness of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I, I can get a God that's all one, but, and I can get a God that's all three, but I don't always understand a God that's all three in one. But the Father has absolutely no problem glorifying his Son. The Son has absolutely no problem bringing people before his heavenly Father. The Holy Spirit has absolutely no problem and never complains about saying only what the Father wants him to say. 
He has no problem whatsoever to make sure that people can exalt the name of Jesus. So I want you to let that sink in for a bit. The God that we follow lives, understands, experiences, enjoys perfect unity. And he's the only one that really knows what that's like. So in John chapter 17, you have Jesus, uh, his, his prayer before he's uh, going to be going to the cross. And it's really, we call the Lord's Prayer the Our Father which art in heaven. But really, John chapter 17 is the Lord's Prayer. It's, it's the most recorded words of Jesus praying that we have. And in the midst of this prayer, he says this, starting in verse 20. He said, I did not ask for those only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So that would include you and me. He's talking about us. He wasn't talking just about the disciples. Now he's saying, I'm praying this also for everyone that would believe their words. It's because it's passed on from generation to generation to generation. That they may be, say that next word, one. Let's try that again. That they may be just as, just as, you, Father, are in me, and I in you that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory, and I really could just do a whole sermon on the glory, because I want you to catch this, what he says here. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. And then he says there's a purpose for it. That they may be one even as we are one. I and them and you and me. That they may become perfectly one. So that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. So we are led by a God who desires unity. Now let's talk for a minute the sharp contrast to the God that we serve who is in perfect unity with himself. Uh, we, on the other hand, are incredible, had this incredible disunity within ourselves. Now before you just cast that off, just listen to me just for a minute, because I want you to think about, in essence, what wholeness and wellness actually are. What is wholeness and wellness? It is when your body, your brain, your, your emotions, and your spirit being all operate as one. How are you doing with that? I can be honest with you in, in a very surface thing. I don't know when the last time my body actually did what I wanted it to do. There may have been like, you know, a 12-month period in my life where that happened, but let's just face it. In our day and age, there's bookends to our physical life, and it's diapers at one end and depends on the other. <laughs> we are not good at unity. We walk around the house when no one's around talking to ourselves, and some of you then argue with yourself. How many would go, man, I know that I know that I know 
I need to be spending time talking to the Lord about my problems and reading his word. And then another week goes by where you don't. And we're followers of Jesus. Living in a world that has not experienced a new life in their spirit that begins to bring the inner parts of our being back together. And yet, these same humans are trying to solve generational divisions, political divisions, economic divisions, class divisions, cultural divisions, territorial divisions, institutional divisions, departmental divisions, gender divisions. And then we go on Facebook in November and tell other people who should be solving those problems. Come on, that was a good place to amen. Amen. We think that in our divided selves, we know who can unite the world. We live in a culture that places a high priority on the divisions in our world. It's done done not just by, uh, by politics, it's done even by our territories. After all, there's the United States and then there is... Right. Listen, when I traveled to Germany, my friend, uh, before he passed away, uh, lived in uh, Bavaria, and uh, we, were, we were sitting, he said, you know, it's funny, because everyone that comes from America, they're from one of two places. They're either from the United States or they're from Texas. <laughs> but if we serve God, then it should be our heart's desire. There should be a, a want inside of us to bring greater unity to those who are around us. And, and if that's there, it's, it's God's desire that ultimately it's in us to really to fulfill not our desire, but his desire. And that's what I want to take a few minutes to look at this morning. And, and so the connect piece, I want to take a few minutes and talk about this place of unity, the place of unity. We're going to talk about the place, we're going to talk about the picture, and then we're going to talk about the, the ultimately the power of it. But the place of, of unity. Uh, the place of unity starts in the place that, that the Father absolutely delights in. The father of the almighty, everything created, delights in absolute, perfect unity. We were created to be in perfect unity with him. So in the cool of the night, he would come, or cool in the day, he would come and he would talk and spend time with Adam and Eve. And after that was broken, you find that scripture says he's jealous for that kind of unity. Because he places such a high value at this, at this oneness that exists in the eternal place of God. That whenever it happens, he takes great delight in it. It's a place where, where, where literally in the midst of chaos, there is still perfect harmony. Now you may think that, that, that heaven doesn't deal or have to... To, to worry about what goes on at earth, but I'm telling you that God knows every little thing that's going on on earth. Let me just take it from a total negative standpoint. So if you go all the way back in Genesis, when, when you had Cain who killed Abel, God said this to, to, uh, to Cain. He said, his blood cries out from the ground. When, when life is ended by man's hands, it cries out to God. And I've got to wonder what heaven sounds like when it turns its ear toward the United States of America and almost 60 million babies' blood cries out because they were aborted. 
And yet, even though I guarantee you that is heard, there's perfect harmony and peace that exists. Now, I don't understand all that dimension. I don't get that. I know that when I go to a symphony and I hear all of that oneness coming together and bringing a, a, a great sound, I'm not jumping up and down and screaming while they're doing it because I would disrupt it. But God isn't disrupted by all the screams that go on because unity and oneness is at its very essence heaven. And it was so important to him, so important because the Father delights in it that Jesus died for it. This is, the, this is the essence of the entire gospel message. That Adam and Eve who were in unity with each other and with the Heavenly Father rebelled. And that unity was broken. They were no longer united with God, with each other, and with self. God kicked them out. Adam and Eve argued. And they realized they were naked. Now, it's easy for us to quickly go over the fact that they looked at each other and they went, uh-oh, we're naked. It wasn't that they woke up and went, oh, we're in a nudist colony. It's they recognized in the moment that the oneness left, that in themselves, now get this, they were not everything they were created to be. They were then in their innermost person, they were at disunity with themselves. And so Jesus, he goes to the cross. He, he allows himself to suffer so that we might be united with the Father, united with each other, and ultimately fully reunited with ourselves. Now, for those of you that understand, don't understand why the resurrection is so important, and you think, wow, I'm just going to get to heaven. I'm a, can I mess with some of your theology here? Is that okay? Is that okay? I'm going to do it anyway. I just thought it's always better if I had to get it with permission. But here's the thing. People, they, 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 they use this scripture, and you know this scripture. It's not a bad scripture. It's a good scripture. Paul says it's, 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 it's okay because it's better to be absent from the body and to be... Do you realize that in that statement, he's just like, well, at least there's that. In our culture, because we don't understand what has been lost in the overall unity, we don't even think about how critically important the resurrection is. Because we were made for more than this. And this, while it's not doing what it's supposed to do, it's going to rise again so that it will. And we will then be in perfect unity with ourselves. We cannot be in perfect unity with ourselves without a body. I encourage you to go read that in 2 Corinthians, I think it's chapter 5. Paul's struggling back and forth to be unclothed. And, and, and you know, I don't want to be unclothed, but I'll actually, it's just still better to be absent from the body and be present with the Lord. I don't know what it's going to be like to be in heaven without a body. There are a lot of people that are experiencing that. I don't know what experience looks like. But there's a lack because we are not united even with ourselves. So Jesus, he provided, provided a way for that. And so he's hung on the cross. The Spirit, he desires it. That's, that's, the, that's the predominant emotion 
that's found in the spirit of the living Christ that indwells you and I. This desire for oneness, the desire for oneness with God, the desire for oneness with each other, and the desire for oneness even with ourselves. If you go and you look at scripture where it says don't grieve the Holy Spirit, it has to do with oneness, it has to do with unity, it has to do with togetherness because the Spirit desires. See, Jesus, he provided the way for us. He showed us the way, or he provided the way, but the Spirit ends up showing us the way. The scripture says no one comes to the Father unless he be drawn. The Spirit is the one that leads us into this place of oneness. And so as you are, as you're taking your list, as now a number of life groups have begun to do a circle of influence, these are the people that God has placed in my life, you need to be praying that the Holy Spirit will draw them, draw them unto the Father, because no one comes to the Father unless the Spirit draws them. And so what does the Spirit do? He draws us to Jesus so that we might be able to step into the oneness of the Heavenly Father. That literally is the place of unity. So let's talk about the picture of unity. The picture of unity, first and foremost, unity is not uniformity. Uh, uni uniformity simply denies anything that's outside of sameness. All right, so I'm going to describe a couple things for you. Uh, if, if I am uh, marching in a square in lines with a gun over my shoulder, in actual step-by-step, step, I'm part of what? Military. Some kind of military, right? Because, because the military is about uniformity. Everybody's the same. Now, there's different ranks, but everybody's the same. And so they march the same. They dress the same. They, they approach the enemy the same way. It's the, what they do is the same. That's not that there's a dynamic of unity there, but that's the uniformity. That's everybody becoming the same. Another way I think of religious uniformity is I come from an area of Arizona where if you are going around, maybe you've seen this, that are two guys that have a white button-down shirt with a name badge, going house to house, you got a pretty good idea that they're probably Mormon because they all look the same. When they're on their mission, they, there is a uniformity in the way they dress and what they're to do. But that's not unity. Unity is ultimately, at its heart, the gospel message. And what you find is that there is unity in this diversity. Now watch this with me a minute. The gospel message is about a perfect God and imperfect humanity. And when we come inside of him through Jesus, being led by the Holy Spirit, we become one. Husband and wife, Clarissa and I are not the same. Not by a long shot. We're not the same physically. We're not the same mentally. We're not the same emotionally. We're not the same. But when we got married, two became one. They're, they're, this is the gospel message. Two entities that are completely different. It's important you get this. They're completely different. Come together and are one. This is, this is the beautiful picture of, of unity. Now, I want you to look around the room. Go ahead. Take a minute. Look around. Some of you need to stretch that neck anyway. All different types of people. And we all came together as one for one. The gospel message then unifies us together as one. 
Now, it's not only this, this unity and diversity, but what you find is that you cannot separate unity from relationship. Relationship is unity. They're, they're the, that's the connecting factor. So the, let's go back to our examples. Our, our walk with our Heavenly Father. Here, as we walk with Him, we, we learn, we grow, we're transformed, we grow in this love for Him, we grow in this honor for Him, and ultimately, because of our relationship with the God of Heaven, we are what? We're changed. We're transformed from glory to glory to glory. And it happens because we're in relationship. But not only are we in this oneness relationship with the Lord, but we're also in relationship with others. We're in relationships with our family members. Clarissa and I have been in relationship for over 32 years, and, and we, can, we can honestly say with each other, we have grown, and it's changed us, and, and I'm more mellow and easier to live with, and I've become that much closer to perfect, and all because of... Re Nobody believed that one, apparently. <laughs> but here's the thing. It's, it's in the relationship, it's in the uniting of relationship as we're one that we do grow in love and honor and cherishing uh, one another. But the same is true in the body of Christ. As we are together, not, not so much on a Sunday morning, we'll go a little bit here next week, but in our different environments, as we are together, as we, as we learn from people who are profoundly different than us, then we grow in our ability to love, honor. We find that we are changed, we are transformed. In fact, if I, if I think back to the very very church that I walked into the very first Sunday of 1990 and said, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I'd, I'd said it before I went to church, but that's kind of the marking place for me. It was there that I, I, I met a guy that, uh, that taught me what it meant to actually have true Turkish coffee. You think, well, that's no big deal. Well, that's true. That's really not a big deal. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, he's the guy that invented the GPS uh, system that's on your phone. And, and he taught me that, that you didn't have to be, watch this, you didn't have to be white American to be used by God in profound things. I met a guy who uh, I served with on the board in that church in Mesa, Arizona that worked for the CIA. He had, he had meetings that were on aircraft carriers. He had meetings in, you know, the, the North Norway, somewhere where yaks lived. And, and he taught me, what it meant to be calm in your spirit. I met a guy that in his 80s still did not know how to read. But he taught me how to truly worship the Lord. In fact, out of everybody I've, I've met in the church, he's one I look forward to meeting for the most because when I learned how to worship from him, it totally changed. I met somebody that, that uh, actually was uh, taken by the U.S. government, State Department, out of the Middle East because she was married to a Hezbollah leader. And this woman taught me what wisdom was all about. I got a chance to, to meet a concrete guy who actually taught me to bass fish. You'll like this story, you guess, fishermen. So first time I've ever bass fished. I've got a little Zebco 202 reel, and we're on this lake, and, I, and I'm in the back of the boat, because if you're a bass fisherman, the best, best fisher gets the front, because he gets to hit all the spots first. 
and, and I land a nine-pound bass using this little Zebco 202 reel, rod and reel. And I said to him, man, this is going to make a great meal. And he says, no, you either have to get that thing mounted or keep it in your freezer. And so it was from that that I learned to keep my word. And if you went to my house today, and by the way, that was in the early 90s, I could take you to my freezer and show you that nine-pound bass. All because we serve a God who desires unity. And unity cannot happen without relationship. Now, I want you to look around this room again. Go ahead, just look around the room. Look, look, at, look at someone who you don't even know. And I want you to just look at him for a minute. Just give him, give him the eye. Give him, you know, this. And it's okay, you can even do that. Let him know you're looking at him. All around this room, even if you're watching online, there is preciousness in this room. I could go on and on and on and on and on about the preciousness that I have experienced because... I serve a God who desires unity. And so what happens when we, when we really move to this next level that I believe that the Lord is watching? That's going to be hard for some of you, but, but let the Spirit work here. Don't, don't just take it on surface things. Is that younger people desire to know the older people. The older people desire to know the younger people. Okay. Some of you may want to put your feet back on this next one. Texans want to get to know Californians. And of course, Californians would want to get to know Texans. We know that. People who have different color skin want to get to know people of different color skin. I've had this conversation with a number of different people already. And uh, one of the areas, we're, we're going to talk about this, and I, I just want to get this out here early, and, then, and I want your permission to be able to come back and develop it a bit later. Um, but here's the thing, that, that predominantly American white people are blinded to the other cultures in the world. And we need help. And the other cultures of the world typically are not willing to be assertive to help. So there, I think what the Lord wants to do in this is there's, there's this, this, this transformation the Lord wants to do. He wants to humble all of us, some through a willingness to be helped, and others from a willingness to help. Say amen if you got that. Because the, the scripture and the reason Jesus is praying this is there's power in unity. There's power in this unity. First and foremost, you've got to understand that unity... Because it's desired by God, God always honors unity. So Jesus knew that it was not something that we could come in our own broken state, in our own, in our own lack of unity, our disunity, disjointed selves and groups of people that would be able to come up with a slogan or be able to say this life matters or that life matters. Not that those things are bad, but the reality is broken people can't fix broken things. And so what uh, Jesus is praying for is that he would come and fix what is broken in us so the world could see a, a diversity out of unity and go, that's different. I can believe in that. And then Jesus is brought forth. Then Jesus is made known. And so Jesus is praying for it. He's saying, he's saying I pray that they would be one 
as Father, you and I would be one, so that the world might believe the message. One of the things that works well into the, to the playbook of the enemy is when we get to election time, and, and hear me on this, and we're more concerned the way people vote than where people are going to spend eternity. And if that's going to be how we posture, posture ourselves as a group of believers, we will not be effective in the gospel message. But when people become more important than politics, then God begins to say, I can honor that because I am for that. That is who I am. And God will always move through people who are in unity. Spirit was poured out upon people who were in, and not a car, but one accord. They were together. They, they were, they, they could say, they literally in their place of prayer were saying, we are together. And it's this type of unity that, that in the furtherness of igniting change for Bethel is absolutely and positively required. That we're not, that we're not living in some, of, some form of uniformity, but that in this place of unity in the faith of Jesus, just like Bill said, that, we're, that our lives expressed wholeheartedly, even in our differences, that Jesus is alive and active in the world, and he's making himself known through us. And I think that's something we could all unify around. And here's the beauty. When we understand the power of unity and that, that God is ultimately the one that will honor it, here's what happens in our life. I know this happens with me. You enjoy it. There's nothing more enjoyable than to talk about the power that, that is expressed through God in the incredible diversity that is in our midst. That's much better to talk about. I, maybe some of you have heard me say this to you. It's my... It's my spiritual warfare against gossip. Okay, my spiritual warfare of gifts gossip is, uh, I, I'm, once I say it, you're going to go, yeah, I, know, I think he said that to me too. I brag about you behind your back. I brag about you behind your back. You know why? Because it doesn't take long for me to recognize all the wonderful ways I enjoy you as a person. When I, when, I, when I get to know people and I begin to, to get, begin to see into their life, I begin to discover the preciousness in that person that is Jesus. And I, I guarantee you, have told others about you in that way. Just like I described the people when I first came to know the Lord that I, that I got to meet because, because of what Jesus did. I do. I brag about you behind your back. Some of you are going, well, you need to do it to my face too. Well, I'll get around to that. <laughs> but I think the biggest thing that when you think about the power uh, that's found in unity is, is we live, and I, this doesn't require much exposition at all. We live in a world that just needs it. We live in a world that needs it. This world is just so broken. And unity is needed for people to be saved. And when we, when we live a life around others that is in unity, then you begin to have power in your words. How do they see that? Well, they see that a number of different ways. They see it when they come to church on a Sunday morning, but that's not the best place to see it. You know the best place to see unity? It's in your nice homes. It's in the coffee shops where different kinds of people come together around one thing. 
And that's the faith in Jesus Christ. And that faith being expressed in and through our life. And that, I think ultimately, that is the place that the world needs to see. Is it, is it going to be shown on CNN? Probably not. Is it going to be shown on Fox News? Probably not. Is, is the newspaper going to come and the startled telegram here in Fort Worth going to come and do an expose on it? Probably not. But here's the thing. There's a God in heaven who so desires unity that he's going, man, I'm going to honor that. The prayers that you pray, I'm going to honor. The things that you're desiring in relationships, I'm going to honor that because that's what I'm all about. And the world's going to go, I don't get that, but I want that. And then the spirit begins to draw them. Jesus provides the way and they find themselves smack dab in the middle of unity. Here's how I'd like to, to close out. In fact, if you've not taken one note, I'd like you to take notes now. So I'm going to give you just a moment to find a pencil and paper. Uh, if you, uh, the other thing that you can do is this actually is on the sermon notes in the, in the app. Uh, but you got an assignment this week. We're going to pray here in a moment. But here's your assignment this week. I want you to take some time before God this week. And I just want you to, just you, doesn't have to be in, not in a group, just, just by yourself. Would you just survey the Christians that God has placed in your life? We just kind of just allow the Holy Spirit to show you people. And then as the Holy Spirit begins to show you those people, would you just take a pencil and a piece of paper or a pen, and would you just list what you like about them? I call that the preciousness of a person. Just write it down. Just start writing it down. Now, some of you, that you're not going to get that done in 15 minutes, so you may need to do it over a few days' period of time. But here's the second thing. Once you've done that, once you've done that, I want you to look, just look at it and just say, Jesus, thank you that the only reason I have this list is because of you. The majority of the Christians that are in your life, especially those that are not family, are only there because of the cross of Calvary. The only reason we're connected here this morning is because of what Jesus Christ has done. And so once you get that, those names down and you get those, that list of things, begin to thank the Lord for it. And I guarantee you there are those in this room that know that I have prayed multiple times, Jesus, thank you for this relationship. It was made possible by the cross. Because the preciousness of the oneness that God wants to take us collectively, individually, in little clusters in will only happen as we recognize the preciousness of that which is already in our midst. If you think the preciousness is the music, if you think the preciousness is the sermon, if you think the preciousness is the green carpet, maybe that's two different conversations, but in all of that, we've got it wrong. We've got it wrong. The preciousness is that which Christ died for and is being developed and is growing. And I believe the Lord wants to take us on a journey where we discover that to the place where even when others get mad because somebody leaves the church, we are more bad because there are people not in the church. Because when you recognize the preciousness that's inside, you recognize all the preciousness that's left outside. And it will cause you to move and begin to ignite change in that arena. And so, Lord, we just come before you. And, Lord, it's our heart's cry that, Lord, 
we would move in a way that we say we are together. And Lord, we're together because there's a spirit that unites us. There's a savior that made a way for that uniting. And there's a God who desires it. And Lord, I ask, and and I think this is a good place for each of us to pray, that the Lord would just forgive us for not recognizing the preciousness in all that is around us, in all the people that Jesus Christ died for, those that have accepted and received and those who have not. Lord, would you forgive us for that? And Lord, I believe that, Lord, you are setting us on a pathway for next level unity that will ignite change in ways that we didn't even realize was possible. And so, Lord, will you help us? In fact, you even need to say to him, Lord, will you help me to discover and to walk in a greater level of unity than ever before? In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Now, here's the thing. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to text your group leaders keep one another accountable here. In your group this week, ask each other, what does your list look like? Hey, thank you again for joining us. We hope that our time together has been a blessing to you. And it doesn't have to end there. If you want to find last week's sermon, you can go to Facebook, YouTube, or you can listen to us on the audio podcast. You can let us know if you'd like to be further connected in a life group. But let me go ahead and pray as we close and say, God, thank you for being with us, Lord God. Thank you for helping us to carry your words, Lord God, and change our lives, Lord. Help us to carry your love to those around us. And we thank you for what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and thank you for being a part. We hope to see you soon.